Welcome to this episode of the Greenville Oaks Message Broadcast. The mission of the Greenville Oaks Church of Christ is to inspire people to follow Jesus because we are convinced that following Jesus is the best way of life possible. Find out more about Greenville Oaks or connect with us online at greenvilleoaks.org. As always, we ask that you subscribe to, rate, and review our podcast. It makes it easier for others to find us. And now, on to this week's message with Lead Minister Colin Packer. begin with prayer this morning. Oh God, you are our God and earnestly we seek you. We long for you. In a dry and weary land where there is no water, where it seems as if this experience we're having goes on and on. God, we pray for your healing over this pandemic. We pray for your unity in the midst of this divisive time. We pray for your wisdom in the midst of all the voices around us. And we pray that we can be your light, that we can be salt in the midst of this world that needs good news. This story is such a foundational story we are reminding ourselves of this morning, God. It reminds us of what we've just sung about, that you're the God who goes before us, that we have no reason to be afraid because of who you have been in the past. God, we need that confidence this morning. And so would you pour through me the gift of preaching so that Christ would be formed in our hearts. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Well, I hope you're continuing along in your story Bibles in preparation for each Sunday. We're in chapter 4 of the story this morning as we look at the Exodus story together. Last week we talked about Joseph, and I love the story of Joseph. It's a roller coaster ride through that story. Sold by his brothers into slavery in Egypt, uh, ending up high in the the household there until trouble befalls him and he ends up in prison unjustly. But he rises up out of that through interpreting some dreams that God had given to him and, and, and he ends up second in charge of all of Egypt. There's a happy ending to that story, right? The family comes back together, his, gets to see his father, Jacob, after all those years and and the family is restored. They're saved because of uh, this dream that had been interpreted in the way that they were able to prepare Egypt for this famine that was on the way. But things have changed when we enter into the book of Exodus, the second book in our Bibles. In fact, turn with me if you would. It's page 43 in your story uh, Bible if you have that with you. But in our uh, full Bibles, it's Exodus chapter 1 that I want to read from this morning. Verse 6, we see that this story has evolved and changed since that happy ending. Now Joseph and all his brothers and all that generation died. But the Israelites were exceedingly fruitful. They multiplied greatly, increased in numbers, and became so numerous that the land was filled with them. Then a new king, to whom Joseph meant nothing, came to power in Egypt. Now what you notice is very similar language to the Genesis story and the first command that God gives 
uh, Adam and Eve. I want you to be fruitful and multiply. And it seems that they've done a good job with this command. In fact, that's the problem of this story in, in, in the Exodus story is Pharaoh is noticing that they're becoming too numerous. He's being threatened by the people who are around them. But this new Pharaoh doesn't know anything about Joseph. And again, he starts to get worried about the growing numbers of these Hebrews that are all around in Egypt. So he tries a form of birth control called exhaustion. If he can make the Israelites slaves and wear them out, he thinks maybe they'll be too tired to have children. Uh, but that's not exactly what happens. And, and I'll tell you, we shouldn't be surprised at this point in the story. God has actually foretold to the forefathers that this day would come. In fact, turn back with me, if you would, to Genesis chapter 15, verses 13 and 14. God actually says that what's about to happen is exactly what will happen back with Abram. Genesis 15, verse 13. Then the Lord said to him, to Abram, Know for certain that for 400 years your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and that they will be enslaved and mistreated there. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, and afterward they will come out with great possessions. So again, if you're reading along in the story, you're not shocked by this, and you know where this story is headed. Remember, even when our story doesn't make sense as in the lower story level that we talked about last week, God knows what's going on from the upper story perspective. He's still in control of this story. Even when you think things don't make sense, God sees it all and knows where it's all headed. But the more they are oppressed and exhausted, the more babies they end up having. So Pharaoh moves his plan of birth control from exhaustion to forcing these midwives to kill every Hebrew boy that's born. They were to be thrown into the Nile. Now imagine what this would be like, losing an entire generation of boys. The, the, the country of Israel, the people of God, missing this group. Imagine what it would be like to be a mom or a dad with children and praying that maybe a, a girl would be born or being concerned that the boy that has been born would be killed. See, Egypt had once been the nation that had saved the people of God. But now it's the nation enslaving and destroying Israel. Isn't it amazing how one generation's solution can become the next generation's problem? God never intended Egypt to be home for his people forever. But it took slavery for Israel to be willing to move on to where God would lead them to, the promised land. They were never meant to settle there. But they stayed for four centuries. And I think that's true in our lives as well. Sometimes it takes misery in order to move out of the place of comfort that we've been to the place God is leading us. But God had a plan in the midst of all of this. And of all the people he could select, he chose one of the baby boys that Pharaoh had intended to kill to be the very leader who would lead his people out of slavery. His parents, Amram and Jacobed, decided they were not going to give up their baby boy as easily as others were. So Jochebed decided to place Moses in a basket among the reeds by the Nile River in hopes that Pharaoh's daughter would see him and take him in as her own. And that's exactly what happened. This baby boy, Moses, who was supposed to die at the command of Pharaoh, ends up being saved, grows up in Pharaoh's palace. I love this part of the story because this, this is how God works, isn't it? Pharaoh tried to kill all the Hebrew baby boys so there wouldn't be a leader to instigate a rebellion. But the very boy God had chosen to free his people eats food at the king's table. 
is educated in Pharaoh's best school and eats at Pharaoh's very table. Now, we don't know exactly how much Moses knows along the way. We don't know how much he remembers those early days with Jochebed and being nursed by him, even as the daughter of Pharaoh is raising him in, in hopes. And, but something, it seems, snaps in him one of these days. He's out among the people and he notices that one of the Egyptians is beating uh, a Hebrew slave. And there's something within him that, uh, that rises up at the injustice of this. And in fact, Moses becomes so enraged that he kills this Egyptian to save this Hebrew slave. And when Pharaoh hears about the murder, he tries to kill Moses. Second time he's been tried to be killed by Pharaoh. And so Moses escapes and runs away to Midian. Not Midland, Midian. Though it probably looked a lot like Midland. The, the book of Acts uh, actually talks about this story of Moses. And, and at this point, Acts tells us that Moses is 40 years of age. He, he probably assumes that his life in the big city is over, right? He's on the run. He can't go back because Pharaoh's there. He marries. He has kids. He's a sheep herder in Midian. So the Hebrews are enslaved. Moses is in Midian. God's about to shake this story up. So turn, if you would, if you have your story copy with you, to page 45. It's Exodus chapter 2 is where I want to read from as we continue reading what God is up to in this story. Exodus 2, verse 23. During that long period, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out. And their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God. God heard their groaning and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. I, I love these verses. I think it has to give us hope in the midst of challenging times. The verbs that are put with God, with Yahweh, are that God hears, God remembers, and God acts. God moves and changes things. And I think that's true when we pray as well as sometimes we wonder, but God hears the cries of those who are in trouble. God remembers the covenant he has made with his people, and God acts. And the story makes a huge turn in Exodus chapter 3. Moses comes up on this bush, and it's, it's like it's got flames coming out from it, but it's not burning up. And of course, that catches Moses' attention. Watch what happens. Exodus 3, verse 4. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. Don't you wish the call of God in your life would be as clear? This burning bush, your name being called from it. And, and what's Moses' response? Well, if you read on, he says, here I am, which is an important phrase that you ought to pay attention to through the rest of the story. Abraham had actually said this phrase before, here I am, God. Later on, Isaiah is going to say this phrase. Later on, Samuel is going to say this phrase. But just a few verses later, when God shares with him his plan to use Moses to deliver uh, from slavery the people of, uh, of Israel, he has a different response than here I am. Uh, let's read on in chapter 3, verse 10. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Pay attention to those phrases, just a few verses apart. Here I am, God, to who am I, God? Now this sounds like humility, I think, right? I mean, God, who am I to go about such an important task? But I don't think it's actually humility at all. God doesn't praise Moses for humility here. Instead, he gets angry with Moses. Why? 
Because it wasn't humility. His concerns are self-focused. Insecurity is not actually humility. It's pride. It's actually self-centered. Listen, God will never ask you to do something without equipping you to do what he's called you to do. And sometimes we think and we say, God, who am I to do this? But Moses is actually preoccupied with his inadequacy. And when, you, when that happens, it's a form of self-reliance. When you ask God, who am I, God? You're looking to yourself as the source. But again, God calls those who he's going to equip. God doesn't call you to a mission and then abandon you. Can you imagine what it sounds like to God when he has a, a plan that he has for you? He calls you to do something. Your response is, God, who am I? Can I really do this? And Moses has several responses of why he's the wrong choice. First, he says, I'm, I'm slow of speech and tongue. Did you know, that actually, that the second greatest fear uh, to Americans is death? Which makes you wonder, what's the most important fear? The greatest fear is actually public speaking. As Jerry Seinfeld once said, we're more afraid of being the person giving the eulogy at the funeral than being the one in the casket. Who am I? I'm, I'm poor of speech and tongue, God. I'm not the one to lead your people. And he realizes he has a poor reputation, right? And he killed somebody. He's a murderer. I mean, how is God going to use somebody with that kind of history? He's on the most wanted list in Egypt. That's not who you want to lead your people, God. And he's a poor leader, he thinks. Israel didn't follow him. I, I think part of why he killed that Egyptian was actually to start the revolution. Maybe the Hebrews will see I'm the one who's going to work on their behalf, and, and they don't follow him. He has to run off and hide. Moses sees all of the reasons that he shouldn't be the one to lead. But God knew what he was doing when he chose Moses. Moses was the perfect leader. Think about it. Think about why that is. He's the product of the most sophisticated education in the world at that time under Pharaoh's tutelage. He learned strategy and leadership by watching politics from inside the palace. But most importantly, more important than all those parts on his resume is that God was with Moses. The title of chapter 4 of the story is Deliverance. And there are two kinds of deliverance that happen in this story. Number one, Israel is delivered from slavery. And that's the one we tend to focus on. That's a huge part of what God is doing is he's freeing his people toward the mission he has for them. But number two, Moses is delivered from self-reliance. And those two deliverances may be something necessary in our own day and our own time. Is there are people groups. There are nations. There are things God's trying to do in the world that need to be freed to go and do things. But God can't free people groups without free people being freed themselves and delivered. So for a moment, I want to focus on Israel's deliverance, and then we'll come back to Moses. When Moses and Aaron ask Pharaoh to let the Israelites go, he doesn't exactly grant their request. So God sends 10 plagues, and those are great stories. I remember them from children's Bibles growing up. That was one of my favorite stories when we got to the plague stories, right? God didn't send plagues, though, I don't think, just to prove how powerful he was. He's showing Pharaoh who the real God is. Pharaoh doesn't know about Yahweh, about Israel's God. Listen to this in Exodus chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Pharaoh makes this very clear. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Let my people go so they may hold a festival to me in the wilderness. Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey him and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, and I will not let Israel go. Who is the Lord is the very question that sets the stage for what's going to happen in these ten plagues. 
Because here's what's interesting about the ten plagues. The plagues are chosen with great care. You see, the Egyptians believed in quite a few different gods. They were polytheists. And with each plague, God is carefully deconstructing, carefully showing that the gods they worship aren't actually gods at all. I wish I had time to actually show you how each of these plagues is like taking down one of the gods in Egypt. The Nile was like this god, but it's turned to blood and doesn't have the power it once had. When God sends darkness, he's not just turning the lights out. What he's doing is he's challenging Ra, the sun god at that time, trying to say the sun god's not more powerful than the god of the universe. Yahweh is proving who Yahweh is, that Yahweh is more powerful than any of these gods the Egyptians claimed to worship. And finally, after ten plagues that left Israel's gods worthless, Pharaoh, sons dead, Pharaoh lets the people go. But after they're freed from Egypt, it's not just a straight path to the promised land. They camp right up against the Red Sea, and Pharaoh decides it really wasn't a good idea to give up his slave force. And so he takes 600 of his chariots, and he goes uh, to chase down these slaves to call them back and to keep them useful. And Israel starts to complain to Moses at this moment. Did you take us out of here because you, uh, there weren't enough graves to bury us out here? Or in Egypt? It, it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Isn't it interesting? The Hebrews begin to think that Moses is their oppressor and that Pharaoh somehow is their liberator. Right? If we could just go back to Egypt where things were, we could be free again. We'd have enough food on the table. Things would be better than what they are right now. If we could just go back to Egypt. And this is what our world does. Our world uh, recasts Jesus as the oppressor, as the one who takes, tries to take away our joys and our freedoms and takes us back to a life that's not free and tries to say that the world is actually the one that liberates us to goodness. But that's a confusion. The enemy wants to confuse your liberator and your oppressor. But at the end of the story, God delivers his people through the Red Sea and Pharaoh's army is destroyed in the heart of the Red Sea. God delivers his people. And I want to tell you this morning, God is still doing just that. God is a liberator. God is one who frees people in every moment. We each have our own story around this room of how we've all been addicted, how we've all been caught up in sin in our lives. And, and, and that's still an ongoing struggle the Spirit needs to work in our lives for. But God, I want you to assure you who God is. God is the one who wants you free. God is the one who wants you to have an abundant life. That's what John 10, 10 says, right? The thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come, Jesus says, that, that they may have life and have it to the full, have it abundantly. God is not here to oppress you, to keep you in a box, to keep you from having the best life you can imagine. God is here to actually free you to the life that is life. And so there are two stories of deliverance in chapter 4 of the story. Moses gets freed himself. He gets reminded that it's not about what he can do, it's about the power of God working through him. Who am I? It doesn't matter who you are, Moses. <laughs> it matters that you have the God of the universe on your side that's going to work through you to do impossible things. And through this free leader, God is going to free a people as well. That's what I want to remind you of. Maybe that's a phrase that, that we need this morning to be reminded of as we're trying to help free people who are out there, as we're trying to think about how we bring people to the God of the universe who wants to be this liberator for every one of us. God uses free people to free people. 
And so if we're not free ourselves, no matter what dream we have to help others in whatever way, we won't be able to fully be able to free them until we're free ourselves. That's the lesson in this story is God, yes, he's going to free the Israelites from slavery. But there's some work that has to happen in the life of Moses before that leader can actually free others. He has to be free himself. He has to get off of just what his limitations are and realize that the God of the universe is working through him to free others. Before Israel could be delivered, Moses had to be delivered. And it's the same way in our world today. If you want to change the world, that's a great dream. But you cannot do it without being changed yourself. God doesn't free us from things alone. God frees us from things and God frees us for things, for mission, for purpose, for calling. He frees us so that we can free others. God delivered Moses so that God could deli- Moses could deliver the Israelites. God delivered the Israelites so that they could end up delivering the nations. Your freedom isn't just a testimony you have that tells the story of what God has done for you. It's the first place of ministry that God uses for the freedom of other people. This is what I love about Celebrate Recovery. This is what I love about any ministry that works uh, to free us is there has to be a testimony shared. There has to be giving God the glory so that others can be freed as well. It's through our sin struggle. It's through our struggle. It's through the challenge of our lives that we receive a story about the power of God so that others can hear it and realize that there's hope for them as well. And so we aren't free just to hide a story in the past. No, we're freed so that we can tell the story of the exodus God has given to us so that others will receive that exodus as well. That's the testimony you have. That's the gift you have to give. And I hope more and more we can be a church that displays those stories, those testimonies, the freedom that we've experienced. But that's not just for you alone. It's so that others can be freed as well really what the story of the Passover is about that we celebrated at communion earlier, right? Is that God works in that moment, but there's a greater story, an upper story that God's going to work later on where the body of Jesus and the blood of Jesus is going to free not just the people of Israel. It's going to free every nation on earth for those that call upon the name of Jesus. Your freedom is for the sake of others. Just as God blessed Abram so that all nations would be blessed, God frees his people so that they can free others from slavery or injustice wherever they may be experiencing it. And so right now, I want you to think about this. What is it that God needs to free in you this morning? To loosen up, to change, to be repented of, to be transformed. What is it that you need right now in your own life that you need to ask God, God, would you bring that freedom to me this morning? I want to work in concert with you again so that I can be liberated because I don't want to be on mission to free others and liberate them until I'm first freed. And maybe you have been freed. This morning you need to figure out what that story is so that you can share that with others so that others can have the same hope. And my prayer this morning is we would leave with with a clear knowledge of who God is, this God who frees people so they can free others so that we can be about the same business through the Spirit of God. I want to pray for that right now for each one of us. As we leave today, that God would free us of what needs being freed so that we can help free others as well. Let us pray together. God, we thank you for this story, the story of the Exodus, the central story in the Older Testament, God, of who you are and what you want to continue to do in our world today. We thank you that you're able to use Moses who had murder on his resume. 
that he thought discounted him, God, that he, he didn't speak well and he thought that wouldn't be useful. God, too many times when you place a call in our lives, we tell you why we aren't the people to do it. And yet consistently throughout Scripture, God, it hasn't been about the resume or the abilities of the people you use. It's only been the willingness of them to open up to your power and your spirit to transform others. Right now, God, I know there are people that feel as if they're in bondage, that they're enslaved by something that is controlling their lives. And God, I know you to be the God who comes in and frees people of those struggles, those addictions, those challenges. So God, I pray for freedom in whatever ways it's needed in this room and in those who are worshiping online this morning that freedom would be found. And, and God, that it wouldn't just be a freedom that would be something we celebrate ourselves, but it would lead us into the calling uh, to walk with others, God, and the freedom that's needed for that. God, I thank you that you are a God of freedom, that the thief is the one who steals, but you're the one who gives life. And so this morning, God, we pray and we want to be a people who experience the abundant life so that we can point others to that same joy. I thank you uh, for what you've done in Jesus Christ. I thank you for what you're doing through your Holy Spirit. We pray all this, God, in our lives today in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from the Greenville Oaks Message Broadcast. We hope this message helps you to inspire people to follow Jesus because you're convinced, like we are, that following Jesus is the best way of life possible. Make sure to give us a rating and review on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or Stitcher. Discover more about the Greenville Oaks Church online at greenvilleoaks.org.